Perfectionist Monthly Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah D. That's my name, that's my name. We're gonna talk about imperfection today. And always, and always, and always. It's what we do. We talk about imperfection on the Imperfectionist Monthly Podcast. This month is January. This podcast comes out on the 1st of January, 2020. And to me, this has always felt like the future, the far, far away future. And there's something completely wacky about the whole concept of the future. So here we are, January 1st, 2020. And I'm going to do a futuristic interview with you because I'm doing live time talking to my friend Esther, Esther Breslin. Hey, Dinah D. Esther is in the Oslo airport. Esther has an epic layover and she said, what should I do for the next couple hours? And I said, hey, let's do the podcast together in real time. You in Oslo and me here. I am in Oslo Airport, uh, where I have been now for approximately four and a half hours. No, is that right? Three and a half hours. I have at least another couple of hours to go. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm uh, on a stopover between Dublin and Trondheim, Norway. Hey, Esther. Thanks so much for chatting with me, doing this remote. It's going to be pretty interesting. So at the same time as I press record on my machine at home where I'm recording this interview, I'm also having to hold my thumb down on the Instagram chat button with the little microphone symbol to say hey to my buddy Esther. So hey, Esther. (laughs) So you're there sitting around in the airport and we got in touch and now we're doing this imperfection podcast together. So The Imperfectionist Monthly Podcast is a celebration of imperfection because I'm kind of coming around in the first season anyway. In 2019, we discovered that imperfection kind of doesn't exist. It's a tough one. I mean, you're an artist. Um, Maybe tell us a little bit about yourself so that we know a little bit about you. About me. Well... I am from Dublin, where I took my degree in printmaking at the National College of Art and Design. So that is my educational background. I did one semester, so half a year in Bergen in Norway in my third year of my degree, where I met the wonderful Marius and the reason I now live in Norway. So born and raised in Dublin, lived there until I was 25, moved to Trondheim, Norway, in 2013, lived there for about a year, and since then I've been living in a very small town in rural Norway called Tinset. And I still do printmaking. We had set up a printmaking studio, but I primarily would call myself a painter now, I guess. Esther continues to talk about Rambu and the international residency that her and Marius Reed are working on. The building where we have our studio is a council building that we have rented a space in the last number of years and as of January 2019 we started renting the whole thing and we've sort of set it up as a shared working space and a kind of a cultural venue so that's kind of what I'm all about that and teaching 
primarily children art. So all things creative within visual art, I suppose I would say, is kind of what I do at my time and my life. Yeah, I'd say that's a really good description for sure, Esther. That's pretty much nails it. You're a total artist through and through. I mean, you're doing, uh, you're teaching art and then you, on your spare time, <laughs> spare quote unquote time, you've got all these amazing things that you do. So printmaking is something that we did together a couple of years ago when you came to visit in Canada with Marius and we did some lino cuts together and I really love them. I'm, I find them to be sort of the epitome of imperfection. I love when, when, a, you know, a little slip happens and then you have to sort of compensate for this with your tools and, uh, and then the printmaking process is so great. I find imperfection just, uh, I mean, Hey, I don't know what a perfect print would even look like. I don't think I'm, I mean, maybe one day I'll, I'll learn that, but I really enjoy that you taught me that. I appreciate that big time. It's a really fun thing to do. Would you say printmaking is like, where does it rank on your scale of things you prefer? Like you say, you're more a painter right now. You do have a full print shop and uh, all that stuff. Just wondering where everything kind of ranks for you priority wise in your life. Just at this time, like a snapshot of Esther, January 1st, 2020. I wish I knew that ranking myself. Um, that is a big question. Uh, I mean, to kind of cut down to the bare bones of it, my priority would be to always be making things myself. And that is something that often gets deprioritized after doing jobs that will make me money and, you know, all those other usual typical um not so fulfilling elements to, to having studied art or whatever uh, that it, it kind of is last in the list of things so I would say that actually I mean my ranking of what I like to do is just to be creating myself whether it be printmaking or whether it be painting uh, but within those it's 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 a hard question because I, I can't compare printmaking and, paint, and painting in, in some ways um, they're both technical they're both something I love and at the same time, the approach to them is very different. So printmaking for me is a much slower process in that you have a lot of steps before you kind of even begin to see how the piece is going to turn out. Um, and after having done quite a lot of years of that, and you can you can sometimes put a lot of time in to a print and then have it kind of go sort of tits up at the end and be really unhappy with the results and having spent loads of time on it no so I would find painting more immediate because you can see very quickly how it's going or you can see as it's, as it's happening you can kind of see it happening um, so I think like that kind of came about a little bit due to time constraints that I found that painting was something that I could fit into smaller slots of time than printmaking um, but wh whether I have a preference I think is far too hard to answer yeah I guess I kind of I kind of got uh, got you in a, in a corner there because in a way it's like you can't compare the different things it's like me saying do I prefer stepping on stage in front of screaming children or do I prefer sitting at home uh, writing a song like they're just <laughs> they're completely different worlds Esther carries on with uh, more thoughts on printmaking. Printmaking is this magical, mystical world of things, of, of processes that a lot of people 
surprisingly a lot of people don't know anything about despite the fact that it is studied all around the world and various amounts of people are qualified as printmakers every year um, it's something that will never cease to amaze I've, I have a degree in it and I've probably barely touched the tip of what there is to discover about it it's like a huge field and in that sense it's very exciting because you could never tire of it and you could always learn new things and it's in that sense compared to painting it's a little bit more of a mystical wonderful magical uh, field of image making hey Esther you when you paint which is next level absolutely amazing you often are are moving uh, more and more into realism and I actually saw a painting that you did when I was in Norway recently that dabbles in a different world of uh, what are they point of focus like when you take a photograph and you just have one one point of focus and then everything else is sort of fuzzy around it um, what is that called? Uh, it's called depth of field in, I think I believe uh, certainly when it's uh, being talked about in terms of the uh, photograph style like so in photography it's like the difference in depth of field so there was a one central focal point and the rest was blurred um, I believe that's what you're are you I assume you're referring to that um, painting of the pine cone that's like uh, close to the forest floor um, setup is that the one yeah that's exactly the one I'm talking about with the with the with the pine cone there yeah really really cool yeah, that's uh, that's exactly it. I would actually use uh, the word macro to describe that in the sense that it's like taking something that's actually smaller and sort of blowing it up because it's so close up to us. So I've kind of like enlarged the actual life size of the pine cone and all of the leaves and other shrubbery and stuff around it. It's in that sense, it's kind of a macro style image. It's a pretty darn amazing uh, painting there. Good buddy. I love that one. It was so cool to just stand there and get to gaze at it and sort of poke at. Well, I didn't poke very much with my fingers or my elbows or anything or my nose. But it was a really cool, really, really cool painting. I love it. So do you mean to tell me how you were just standing there poking it with your eyes? Um, that's allowed, fully allowed. I do allow people to touch the paintings too. I think I'm not very precious about them in a way once they're done but um i like that you brought up that painting and i don't say this about a lot of things but it is probably my own personal favorite of all the paintings i've ever done uh because of exactly the thing we we're talking about the fact that it's a macro style image and the fact that i managed to achieve that out of focus um look in the background and the kind of funny thing about that is is that because I'm quite a perfectionist when I paint, I find it hard to uh, stop until I know that I have like every detail included, which can make my paintings kind of quite rigid um, or stiff because they're sort of so on point. Oh yeah, like hi almost almost hyper-realistic, okay? What I mean is that I kind of lose the like painterly flow to a painting by having it match a photograph too much. So. In a weird way, what I've kind of developed is a way of a really long way back to kind of creating a looser painting by having these elements of it that are out of focus. And the funny kind of, the reason I say long way around or that it's sort of ironic the way I do it is because I almost have to like paint it in focus first and then and then like undo some of the painting or sort of mess it up a bit if that makes sense. So I kind of, in a way, I have like, I can't sort of intuitively achieve the painting style that I like 
but by using a photograph that has blurred elements, I can replicate the painting style that I like in a non-focused way, if that makes sense. That makes all the sense. All of it. It makes all the sense. I totally get it. I understand 110% Esther Breslin. You rock. Hey, you know, what's really interesting is that I really noticed that that was really outside of your normal painting style. Hey, um, do you think it would be okay to use that image as our little key image for the podcast? And then people can kind of see a little bit of maybe what we're talking about. I'm not sure if I'll be able to capture much of it in the little thing, but maybe you have a little image or something you could send me. Yeah, I can for sure send on that image. Um, it does sort of seem a little bit weird to be talking about such a visual thing with no visuals. Um, so yes, I will for sure do it. So it's cool that you say that you notice it was different because, and I hope in a good way, because that's kind of where I'm going or planning on going with some more paintings now is that I feel like I landed on something that I felt really happy with and I felt that it was like somewhere I could go a lot of places with in terms of messing with that sort of upscale scaling of things and having things in and out of focus, having something softer, because I think maybe that's the word I sort of missed in that last explanation there was that I sometimes make things too sharp and um, and oil, pa oil painting is actually a very like soft medium. So it's kind of nice to be able to sort of achieve that softness. So yeah, we can try, I can send you the file and you can see what you can include for sure, Betty. Hey, right on. Something that occurred to me while you were talking about that painting and 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 f and uh, almost having to paint it almost in focus and then smudging it a little bit to make it that so it's out of out of focus, which is just amazing. Um, is it made me think about? I don't know why I was thinking about the polar opposite to that was almost when I was a kid. My mother was a potter, and she was a very 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 skilled potter like she she worked really hard she did the make a hundred of this one shape of cup and destroy them all before you've made a perfect one type of uh maybe a japanese style of of potting and uh it was really really amazing like her the pieces that she kept were were really really next level pieces and the uh, i have this image in my mind of when I was a kid and there'd be a kiln full of of pots and you'd close that door and then and then when you open that door again nothing looks the same as when you put it in it's totally a mystery you sort of throw your artwork to the to the gods and somehow printmaking kind of has that same you, you, you sort of let go of it the moment you add the paper to the block, uh, whatever you're printing. And then and then when you lift that paper up, it's that same moment as when the kiln door opens and you're like, oh, it turned out like that. Like sometimes it's just what you want and sometimes it's really, really a mystery. Hey, Yeah, I would definitely say that that is the whole thing about printmaking too is you can kind of like you can even have a formula for doing things and you can think you're doing things the same way and then like all these things can happen during that process that you don't necessarily pick up on immediately and then you print it and you're like whoa like this whole other crazy element has appeared in the image or whatever so I feel really similar uh, when just when you said about that like opening the kiln or whatever and seeing something totally different I feel like with an etching and etching when I was printmaking is what I did the most I, c I could take every measure to make 
something that I thought I was like getting totally on point and then I would put that bad boy in the, in the acid baths to etch and like who knew what would come out the other end like because just not not that too much stuff happens in there but it can and and then it's like until that point you're not seeing the print so what you're seeing up to that point is you're just working on this plate but when you take it out of the acid bath and you're removing the the wax ground or whatever kind of ground you have on the plate and you're going to print it for the first time it's like so many things could have happened along the way so that's the point removing it from the acid bath is sort of the point of like okay here we're about to have the moment of truth and even though I can see one thing it might like produce a print that tells a totally different story which can be both massively exciting and massively frustrating simultaneously if you could be okay with uh, incidental things happening along the way in a process and being a bit surprised by the results despite the measures you've taken then it can be a really 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 super fun thing but you have to be like open to that and willing to accept that which is pretty interesting Okay, so here at the Fun Farm, the roosters have started crowing and all that stuff. It's well into morning time now. And we had to take that short break so that Esther could switch to her gate where she's going to be departing from. So, Esther, I'm, I'm, I'm eternally curious about this because we've talked about painting, which is so... Uh, you sometimes can take it really finite and you have more control over what you're going to get and... You're wanting to expand out from the controlled world into the sort of out of focus world a little bit and see how that feels. I know it certainly impacted me when I saw that painting. It really it, it really stands out. So uh, from from the rest of your work, if you if you were to take it all into context. So and then there's the other half where you're sometimes you're willing to just take a big old risk and and do some printmaking and just see what happens. How how do you balance that? Uh, well, you're kind of totally onto something there because I think the thing about it is, is that uh, I need both. As, I need one to have the other. So uh, I'm really, really good at um, driving myself crazy by by sort of trying to over perfect something. And if I've worked on something that's been very pernickety or very like detailed and I've spent a lot of hours and I've been really involved in it to the point that I've become blind to it I find that I need to kind of then jump and do something that I have like less control over to just sort of have that break and have that contrast and use the two to put the other in perspective if that makes sense so that was a little bit like why I got into mono printing after I had worked with etching for so many years because with mono printing I had this like one attempt to make a print and that was it if it didn't work out it didn't work out if it did hurrah um, and it's sort of a meeting between the two worlds the print making and painting world and I think maybe that was where I would have faulted before where I did too much of the same thing and I was very much working within a comfort zone and I wasn't I got to the point where I wasn't getting enough out of it anymore and and the reason was that I wasn't having enough contrast I wasn't having enough play time in between the serious times of making a very kind of finished uh, exhibition ready piece so yeah I think I, I think one needs the other I think there has to be a bit of a balance there has to be a bit of a uh, a to and fro between um, playful techniques and serious techniques and being in control and losing some of that control I think I've become a lot better at that in the last couple of years but I still still pretty strict on myself but um, maybe try and 
play with more techniques that I don't have as much control over. Yeah, cool. That actually makes lots of sense, Esther. The idea of just letting go a little in order to have a little uh, control. It's it. I wonder if that's sort of the the whole point of the podcast, or I wonder if it's a little bit of the whole point of life and growing older and just refining who we are to a point where we start learning to let go or grasp on depending on what is needed at that time. I wonder if sort of being an artist is just another way of just expressing aliveness. I know that often when I look around and, and, uh, and I see images of things. I'm more attracted to something that doesn't have finite lines. And everybody is so different. I like things that are a little curvier or a little fuzzier or more abstract. I think everyone's just sort of attracted to different things for different reasons. I wonder what those are. Yeah, but I do think there is a kind of almost full, full circle nature about the whole thing. So as a kid, you're not really that concerned with you know, you draw how you draw instinctively or whatever. You're not concerned with getting things perfect. You're concerned with expressing or you're not even you're just you're expressing yourself and it comes very naturally. And then we kind of get to sort of teenage years or I certainly notice it with a lot of students where they get to teenage years and they get suddenly like very preoccupied with what everyone else thinks of what they do. So then they 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 kind of set these unachievable goals for themselves where they're like, um, like I hear so many people say, oh, I can't draw. And the fact of the matter is most people, with the exception of maybe people with some other sort of physical disability, but most people can physically draw. But what their understanding of I can't draw is, is um, that they can't draw realistically or lifelike. So we go through then a whole period of time where we have uh, this notion that um, we need to achieve this like really skilled uh, expression in anything creative we do um, and then I think what happens when you get a bit older it certainly sounds like it's happening with you and that it's happening with me too is that then I think I now appreciate things that are slightly less um, perfect or true to life or realistic because you go back to sort of seeing that intuitive expression that's maybe somewhat more linked to childhood and um, and you kind of maybe then also place more emphasis on process over result and I think what I was sort of saying about using more playful techniques is I've learned I've kind of relearned the importance of experimenting whereas there was a period of time where I was very caught up in always making something with a very um perf you know or defined finished result yeah I really like where this is going like I I'm wondering if if my goals for 2020 can be to uh relax more, take things less seriously, celebrate imperfection, and I don't know why, I feel like I need a fourth thing. Um, recreate more. I, I, um, I, I've been noticing this word that's been coming up a lot in my social circles, and how you doing? I'm busy, and I feel like busy is becoming a four-letter word, and I'm, you know, like the four letter swear words. And I just, I'm like, I don't want to be busy or feel busy or have the people around me feeling like they need to say that they're busy in order to be successful, happy and healthy. Know what I mean? I hear. Yeah, totally. Um, those goals sound very appropriate for me too. Um, 
especially the kind of taking relax more and recreating more and not uh, being so busy in a negative way which I think is like always self-inflicted to a point I mean it's a little bit to do with uh, having decided to take a degree in art and then where do you go from there like but um, because you just have to self-generate work all the time and that kind of means that you're always in your your, the the line is blurred between your non-work brain and your work brain in a way because it's all it's all part of you as a creative person or one as a creative person um but yeah so so down with uh busyness in that sense <laughs> i think sounds like a very good 2020 plan down with busyness <laughs> and yeah more to the point taking things less seriously or remembering to have fun and experiment with things and also i think maybe something i have come to think of more and more in the last Uh, while is that I need to keep learning and keep trying new stuff like there's no reason you shouldn't keep trying to do new things just because you have no prior experience or 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 for that matter you know someone who does doesn't mean that you can't just randomly decide to try a course in something you've never done before or whatever like I think yeah not having not putting so much pressure on ourselves to perform but rather like involving ourselves in new and interesting processes and uh and sort of developing ourselves that way is like a really good and healthy goal to have, I think. That is brilliant. I totally agree. Uh, do new things. Try new things. That's a really good thing to add to the to the list. Brilliant, Esther. I love it. You know, our brains uh, do better if we're constantly challenging them to do new things. They say crossword puzzles and Sudoku or, or, you know, whatever it is you want to do, try new things, pick up a ukulele and begin to learn to play it because there's nothing as fun as ukuleleing. Lots of different things you can try new in this new year uh, without setting a billion goals and driving yourself crazy with that. Um, Hey, Esther, love you lots. Thank you so much for chatting with me about imperfection. You got anything else to add before we uh, before we sign off? I think, to be perfectly honest, we could probably chat about this for about six more hours. But given the fact that I'm about to get on an airplane pretty soon, we're going to have to call it good for now. But we should also try sometime to do one where we're actually like chatting on Skype and not uh, messaging one minute messages back and forth, because I feel like I had to be it got really serious i think we would normally like goof around a lot more but it's harder to do when i'm (laughs) surrounded by um, a sea of strangers um (laughs) but yeah this has been super fun love you lots uh let's do another episode i'm i am all geared up now as you can see you probably don't even want to do repeat repeat guests on your podcast but uh, i'm volunteering myself now forever yay (laughs) yay that's great (laughs) Yeah, this is awesome for sure. I like this idea. Maybe we can just start our own podcast, just you and I pontificating from afar or something. I love it. Okay, Esther, have a great flight and big squeezes and hugs and smooches to everybody in Trondheim, the whole family and uh, safe flight. Okay. Love you lots and happy new year to you and all of you imperfectionists out there. Goodbye from me. Thanks for making my uh, six-hour stopover way more fun. And um, hopefully all the background airport sounds didn't uh, disturb anyone. This was fun.
Bye. All right. Happy 2020, everybody. My name is Dinah D. I'm your host of the Imperfectionists Monthly Podcast. And our gracious guest today was Ms. Esther Breslin. And her beautiful piece is seen on the key photo for this episode. So try and zoom in on that and you can get a really good idea of that beautiful painting that we talk a fair amount about in this episode. Special thanks to the people sitting around Esther in the Oslo airport in her various locations that she sat in to try for a little bit of privacy. People are sure curious sometimes and want to learn English, so they probably were listening in on you, Esther. But uh, way to go, way to break through and uh, have a nice little chat there while waiting for your plane. The Imperfectionist Monthly is an independent broadcast by yours truly, Dinah D. I produce and uh, write all these podcasts. If you have an idea regarding imperfection, please do not hesitate to contact me through Facebook. We have a page, The Imperfectionist's Monthly Podcast. Please join us there. Add a little comment. Tell me if you have a great idea for a future podcast or perhaps you'd like to be interviewed and have some cool things to say looking forward to chatting with you in the future on behalf of myself and my good friend esther breslin have a beautiful 2020 this is the future folks